What is up, everyone? Welcome to the premiere episode of the new music podcast, There Can Only Be One. And I'm just going to give you a moment, everyone, to get your Highlander jokes out now. Just take a few seconds, you know, get your best Highlander riff out because this is your only chance you're going to get. Okay, go. And we're done. Excellent. This is There Can Only Be One, brand new podcast that goes through the entire studio discography of various artists across all music genres. And joining me for the premiere episode is my lovely wife, Carrie, who most of you will probably have heard on It's Not That Bad. Carrie, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Let's see how I'll be doing in approximately an hour. (laughs) See if the strength of our marriage is... uh, Enough to oh, I didn't withstand. Realize, I didn't realize this was going to end up being a litmus test for our relationship. <laughs> this a, uh, this was a tough one, <laughs> but I'll let you get on to explain. Yes. Yeah, so let me explain how there can only be one is going to be run. We every other week. This is going to be a biweekly podcast. We are going to pick an artist, whether it be a band or singer songwriter, uh, any musical artist, and we are going to go through their entire studio studio discography one album by one so live albums and best of compilations are going to be rightfully ignored but eps if we determine that they bring enough new stuff to the to the table then all we're all good so we're going to go through each album of every discography and pick only one song and end up making our own best of of the artist in question. So in some cases, it may be a long podcast. Some cases, it might be very short. And this one, we could be here a while because we are tackling one of the big four of thrash metal, the Mighty Anthrax. And this, you know, th- th- this is kind of the home for us here. Uh, Gary, why don't you explain why this is a big deal for the two of us? Well, Anthrax, of course, is our safe home, and having to choose only one is more, like, it's the most difficult choice that I have made in my, (laughs) my, my current, present life choices. Um, It's literally, it was the most difficult assignment that I think you have ever given me. Ask me to sit and watch... Marmaduke again I, I'm or sorry. Jonah Hex. I'm sorry. Uh, I would I would volunteer to do that 10 times over instead of having to choose. <laughs> it's like literally trying to pick my favorite child. And, also, and we have two. It also so. doesn't help. And of course, now both kids are listening going, all right, which one is it, mom? <laughs> I'll never tell. It doesn't help that this is the band that actually brought us together. Uh, like we are a couple because of a certain song in this you know, vast discography of thrash metal. Not only that, but knowing that we listen to music very differently, mm-hmm. I have to put the disclaimer out there that that is why I question the strength of our marriage um, surviving this next hour, let's say. I'm, I'm kind of foretelling that it might take an hour, might end in uh, right. some, some, you know, hurt 
feelings and oh, tears. There's no hurt feelings here. Ugh. Everyone likes music for the reasons they like the music and they should never be ashamed for why they like that music. Yeah, but you made me choose. Yeah, well. You made me choose one. Yeah, well, you know. I am evil. I, I am a benevolent dictator, but it's still a dictator nevertheless. Harsh. By the way, we also had some chime-ins uh, from Twitter, and you can follow us at OnlyOneCast on Twitter, uh, and you can find our shows over at the NotThatBadCast.com website because, A, I don't want to make a new website, but B, this is still part of the It's Not That Bad family. But we're going to start our trip down the Anthrax discography road with Fist Full of Metal, released January 28th, 1984 on Megaforce Records. Uh, the band at this time was Scott Ian on rhythm guitar, Charlie Benanti on drums, Dan Spitz on lead guitar, Dan Lilker on bass, and Neil Turbin on vocals. This song had one single, and that was Soldiers of Metal. And before I ask you for your pick off of this album, we do have some chime-ins. Uh, from Brian over at My Weekly Mixtape, he chose Metal Thrashing Mad as did Johnny Rothen, uh, Paris St. Germain FC on Twitter. So, 1984's Fistful of Metal, the very first album, the only one with Neil Turbin on vocals. Carrie, which song did you pick? I, why do I have to go first? I'll tell you if you tell me yours. <laughs> um, okay, I'll, I'll go first. <laughs> I'll go first. You've got to lead the charge on this I one. I will lead the charge on this one. Uh, and this was tough because there were certain songs where it's like, I could really go for this. And, I, and I'm not trying to slag Neil Turbin on this, but there were certain songs where I'm like, I, this sounds really, really good. I just wish it was Joey Belladonna singing. This is nothing against Neil Turbin. It's just how it came across to me. But of all the songs on Fistful of Metal, I think the actual song Anthrax was the one that fit his vocals best. It had a great groove to it. Um, Panic was almost the song I chose, but... In comparison to Joy Belladonna singing that song, it just doesn't compare. So Anthrax was the one that I picked. Uh, what about you? See, this is fascinating because Anthrax, the song, was actually my second pick. Wow. And uh, I was actually quite But there happy. could only be one. I know. Um, so if you want to fast forward a little bit, I was really, really uh, intrigued. I should say intrigued to hear John Bush on vocals of Anthrax mm -hmm. being the song off of uh, Fistful of Metal. However, great song. I agree with you. I applaud. But I am going to respectfully disagree. Oh. I am going with Across the River, which is just straight up thrashy fun. Oh, I like that. And it worked... You know what? And again, I completely agree that Joey Belladonna's sound is just so, uh, it's it's so perfect mm -hmm. for the Anthrax disc discography, with the exception of the John Bush era, which we'll get to, um, which is also vastly different. However, I, I had no issues with Neil Turbin on the... I, I, think, I think what it is for me is that Joy Belladonna's high range is so pristine. 
right? Neil Turbin's mid-range is actually really, really good. And I think that's why Anthrax sold it for me because it was more of a mid-range song for him. And it worked with Across the River. Mm-hmm. So there is our fistful of metal. But now we're moving on to the Armed and Dangerous EP. This is the first album with the classic lineup of Scott Ian, Dan Spitz, Charlie Benanti, Frankie Bello on bass, and Joey Belladonna on vocals, released February 1985 on Megaforce Records. Now, I had to go first on this one. It's now up to you. What did you have from the Armed and Dangerous EP? Title track. Armed really? and Dangerous. Yep. And I just want to take a moment to say, Dan Spitz, miss you so incredibly much. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm happy with the current lineup of Anthrax and you know, the current guitarist, but I do really miss Dan Spitz. He, you know what? It's funny. I mean, we got the chance to go see the, the reunion show, um, on, on that tour when Dan Spitz was back at the band and Joy Belladonna. Uh, this was post John Bush. Uh, so being able to actually see that lineup, because at that point we had only really seen them on the We've Come For You All tour. So to see that lineup, that classic lineup, and yeah, like, A, Dan Spitz is a sharpshooter with a guitar pick. I don't know how many guitar picks we caught from that show. (laughs) Like, literally, I was standing there in Houston, you know, in GA, and all of a sudden I feel something in my hand, and I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel like Carrie's hand. I look down, and there's a guitar pick, and I don't know how Dan Spitz threw the guitar pick perfectly so it landed in my palm and my hand was down by my side like I don't know how he did it (laughs) but Dan Spitz is a magician and an incredibly nice guy oh absolutely yeah meeting him was definitely a life experience Mm -hmm. but not the song I picked oh no for that I'm gonna say this right now there isn't a band alive that does a cover song like Anthrax does. And they, they have, throughout their career, been able to bring some phenomenal songs to life even better than the original, I would say. So their cover of God Save the Queen on this mm. EP absolutely kills. Like, it was it was just so fun. It was so, and, and I was really, again, considering Panic. Because, of course, Joey Belladonna's <laughs> vocals really shone through on that one. Like, that's how that song should be heard. But God Save the Queen. Like, it's just so much fun. Well, even to double back, their cover of I'm 18 mm-hmm. was really good. Yeah. Although, again, I, I think it would have been better with either Belladonna or Bush. But that's just me. All right, that brings us to the very first full-length studio album with Joy Belladonna on vocals, Spreading the Disease, released October 30th, 1985 on Megaforce Island Records. This album peaked at number 113 on the Billboard album charts and, of course, released the single madhouse now we do have some chimes from twitter on this one as well my weekly mixtape chose madhouse from that album uh johnny rothen actually chose air off of that album uh so this is one of those albums that has a lot of really really good songs on it so is this where it starts to get more difficult for you yes um and i think the introduction of joey belladonna um makes it so but 
I'm not going to lie. It was, uh, this one wasn't so challenging. I was able to come up with, um, with a favorite and I agree with one of your Twitter feeds. I'm going to let you pick, choose which one I selected. I'm thinking it's got to be Madhouse. Oh, really? Really? I'm thinking you're wrong. Wow, you're going with AIR. Ah, yes. Yes, I am. We listen to this album very differently. (laughs) And hence the test of the strength of our marriage. So why is it AIR? (laughs) Oh, because, you know what? Because that song comes across so incredibly energetic live. I, I think, if anything... Um, my decision might be based on one of the has to be upwards of what, 15 plus 16 plus times that I've seen this band and been incredibly fortunate to, uh, um, to just rage to it. And I just, I, I love it. Excellent. Again, we listen to it very, very differently, but the, but, but my choice off this album is because of the way it's played live and it was really sold to me. At that show in Houston, the first time I got to see Joey Belladonna live, and you're going to shake your head. I'm going to guess. I, I think you know what it's going to be. I know. Okay. Uh, I know. You know. <laughs> but it's Medusa. 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 <laughs> I am so sorry, Joey. <laughs> I'm sorry I did that. In fact, if you want to call in and just <laughs> chime in to, to make it right, yeah. we'd what, be open to that. 1-800-WE'RE-SORRY. Uh, but there is something about this song, and aside from Joey Belladonna absolutely slaying it, not just in the studio, but live as well, I love the actual uh, verse riff in this. Like, it's it's just got such a fun little groove. Like, it's not thrash by any stretch of the imagination. While Anthrax is one of the big four thrash bands, they, when they get a good groove going, like, they can't be beat. They really can't. Like, and it's just such a fun song. And I, I recognize why it wouldn't be released as a single. I do. But I'm glad it's become a live mainstay because it really does showcase Joey's phenomenal vocals. I agree to that, even though, and yes, having seen it live several times, it's definitely, if I had to pick the song of the show on the set list that I would go to the bar and get a beer, it would be to Medusa. Well, luckily, that's the song you chose to go to the bar because I'm going to stay in the pit and I'm going to ask you to bring me a beer back. <laughs> so, <laughs> done so, and done. So, Anthrax, keep playing Medusa. That's the song that I get the beer brought to me. I like it. I'm not saying it's a bathroom song. No, no. No, no. There's but, I don't think Anthrax really has bathroom songs. You know, the songs where you're just like, ah, oh, okay, I got three minutes. I'm going to go, you know, drain the lizard here. But... Yeah, I just went there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Moving on uh, to Among the Living. Released March 12th, 1987 on Megaforce Island Records. This album peaked at number 62 on the Billboard charts and number 18 on the UK charts. It is certified gold in the US and silver in the UK. Uh, there were a couple singles off this too. Uh, I Am The Law, which peaked at number 32 in the UK, and Indians, which peaked at number 44. Turning to Twitter... We got some songs here. Uh, my weekly mixtape picked Cotton Mosh. 
uh, at Johnny Rothen picked Indians, as did Sean Faust, another voice that people have heard on the It's Not That Bad podcast. Go listen to the Samurai Cop episode. Don't watch Samurai Cop, just listen to the episode. I'm going to go first on this one. Please do. Okay, because I have a feeling we're getting we're starting to get to the albums that are a little bit tougher for you. This song absolutely slays live every time. And I love when they do it. But it may not be the song that you're thinking of. And I'm not even going to try and say it backwards for fear that I would cause some weird censoring. So I'm just going to say <laughs> that it's NFL. Of course, on Super Bowl Sunday, as we're recording this. As we're recording this, yes. We're releasing it March 1st, so (laughs) welcome to the show, but we're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, So, yeah. So, NFL, nice life. Absolutely love this song. And there's something about Anthrax that's able to build a song that people are just going to chant live. And they are one of the best audience participants. Audience participation bands in the way that they've got these call and answer sections in their choruses. Absolutely love that this song kills it live. Love that it's not necessarily overplayed. Like it's not in every set list, but when it comes out, it's phenomenal. But now, Among the Living for You was absolutely impossible. This was the most challenging life choice that I have had to make in. <laughs> in the most recent history. Um, uh, like, it's a, it's a total banger. Mm-hmm. Every song is so good that to choose one was impossible. This, of all of the albums, I'm going to put it out there now. I'm going to drop the mic after I say this. This was the most challenging of all of their releases. And I didn't expect that. Hmm. Uh-huh. Um, so I know I have to pick one. Um, because there can only be one. Right. And I do agree with my apologies. I forget who chose Caught in a Mosh. That'd be Brian over at My Weekly Mixtape and Playlist Wars. But I agree with Brian. Uh, I also want to point out, because you had mentioned live and just the call for the war dance. Mm-hmm. during Indians is like the best. Like you just, I feel like that meme of Ralph from the Simpsons where he giggles. <laughs> I'm in danger. I'm in danger. <laughs> like when Scott Ian stops playing <laughs> and says that everybody better get loud <laughs> and then they call for the war dance. Mm-hmm. And cue the circle pit. Oh, it it is just incredibly magical. In fact, I, I I smiled and I laughed to myself as I was going through the songs and just remembering that one show. And I can't remember if we were in Baltimore or Philly, but we were at a show. And I remember this young fellow. Um, oh, this was Baltimore offering me. <laughs> Offering me a safe space uh, along the the front rail, yeah, um, because the pit was coming, and I was like, I remember you saying, "No, no, no, she's got this." <laughs> you you have to understand this guy really meant well, right? Like you you have to understand here, my lovely wife 
is five foot <laughs> call. <laughs> like, like it was literally, sweet of him. Like, like her be her being able to see the stage from the pit is is, is challenging on the best of days. But when it comes to the pit, like she takes no prisoners. So this guy looks down at Carrie and goes, do you want to be on the railing where it's safe? And she's like, I have this now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. To be fair, though, first time ever seeing anthrax ever in my life did not expect to be whisked away to Montreal (laughs) for an anthrax show. Um, But I held my own along that rail with my elbows out and maintained eye contact with Rob Caggiano at the time. Yeah. Keep in mind, this is the We've Come For You All tour, and they were opening for Motorhead in Montreal. And so, yeah, if that's if that doesn't paint enough of a picture, I held my own, and I maintained my spot the entire show. Carrie, podcast host <laughs> and pit warrior. I'm proud of that. <laughs> I, I, You should be. You should be. <laughs> we are saying in 1987, though, with our next one, because it's the I'm the Man EP, released in 1987 on Megaforce Island Records, peaked at 53 on the Billboard album charts, 20 in the UK, and number 21 in New Zealand. It is certified gold in Canada and platinum in the US. Of course, the song charted at number 21 in New Zealand and 20 in UK. That's because there's like three versions of I'm the Man on on this album uh and it's only six songs long uh which is you know if you're not picking i'm the man off this album you don't have much left to pick from uh of course both uh brian from my weekly play or my weekly mixtape and playlist wars and of course sean faust both chose i'm the man off this album but what did you choose okay but which version that is a very good question because there's the regular version there's like the extended cut and then there's like the rate the live Mm -hmm. or is it the radio remixes in there too well i have to say and this may come as a shock but of course i picked i'm the man Mm -hmm. i chose the clean version the radio edit because of the use of the bees, mm-hmm. the bee buzz um, <laughs> when they use their colorful language. And I thought that was, you know what, the humor that these guys bring to their music and, I mean, their their movie appearances and television appearances, um, <laughs> they, I mean, I think that's probably the most intriguing part of this band really is their humor i i mean I, you know what it's true they're fun they're just so much fun like in all honesty when you watch them especially when, when you go back to those days around the on the man days like there's just so much fun up on stage and you know general rule of thumb if the band is having fun you're having fun right um but you know what's funny i didn't choose a single i'm the man version Whoa, he picked one of the three underdogs. Right? And I picked their cover of Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Okay. Right? Now, keeping in mind, right, like we're covering Ozzy here at this point. I I don't know if I'm far off in saying that I think the Anthrax version of the song is actually better than the Black Sabbath version. Oh, I would agree. But again, I'm quite biased. So. Yeah. So. Well, we're both kind of biased in this one here. Like, it's not hard to sit there and say, well, let's, we're going to go through the Anthrax discography and talk about our favorite songs. 
it's when you narrow it down to just one per album. But I mean, that means I've got two covers on my list already. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun fact. I just have to say that I created a playlist, a Spotify playlist, and I called it just one or only one, only, only one. one. Um, and I have all of my choices with the exception of one that the album wasn't available. Well, we will link both of our lists on the website. So by all means, go to Not That Bad Cast uh, at the top banner where we've got the other things. You will see a selection for there can only be one. So go ahead, click on that. You'll see the episodes pop up. And in the pages from that page, you'll see both of our playlists. So by all means, go through, check them out and see if there's a song on there you might not have initially thought of. Um, and it's, let's see which which whose list you agree with more. Uh, but that being said, when you're picking Anthrax songs, is there That's really That's Carrie, K E R R Y. Just because there's five ways of spelling it, right? So. But it is going to be interesting to listen to both lists and and hear the different musical dynamics in both because the, these are two very different lists already. Uh, which now brings, of course, to 1988 and the State of Euphoria album, released September 18th, 1988, on Megaforce Island Records, peaked at number 30 on the Billboard charts, 15 in Germany, 17 in Norway, and 12 in the UK. This album is certified gold in the US silver in the uk and gold in canada two singles off of this one the first one was make me laugh uh that did that peaked at number 26 in the uk and anti-social peaking at number 44 on the uk heading over to twitter we've got brian whose whose choice was be all end all as was johnny rothens so i'm gonna go to you state of euphoria what have you got you can't beat that cello intro. Mm. Be all, end all, a thousand percent. I agree with the tweets. And, I agree with Twitter. And I agree with you. Ooh, uh, I, I <laughs> rarely happens. <laughs> be, you're right. Be all, end all. Like, there's just so much texture to this song. And it's funny because when we were talking about, you know, going through and which albums were tough and not, not I, I said to you that this album was stupid easy for me. Like that song is there. It goes on the list no matter what. Doesn't matter what else is on that album. Be all, end all is actually the be all, end all of the songs on that album for me. Was State of Euphoria tough for you though? Um, No, again, because it, it it was a no-brainer. It was like, ooh, okay, this song, done. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move on to one of their biggest albums of all time. That's Persistence of Time, released August 21st, 1990 on Megaforce Island Records. This album peaked at number 24 on Billboard, 13 in UK, and number 4 in New Zealand. It is certified gold in the U.S., the singles released off of this were Got the Time, uh, peaked at number 16 in the UK, In My World, 29 in the UK, and Belly of the Beast. Also, this album was nominated at the Grammys for Best Metal Performance, and they lost to Metallica's Stone Cold Crazy. So this was their first actual Grammy nomination. Turning to Twitter, uh, Sean Faust tied in with Got the Time, Brian went with In My World, and Johnny Rothen also went with Got the Time. So, being the bassist that I am, you would think this would be pretty easy, right? It's not. I did not choose Got the Time. 
I had to go with the song introduced to the world on Married with Children, and it's in my world. I absolutely love this song from the buildup, um, from the, like, just the, again, there's such a groove to this song, right? God, the time is great. Don't get me wrong. And as a bassist, I just sit there and stare at Frank Bello and, and what he's doing. I'm like, yeah, I'll never be that good. But this song to me is perfection in songwriting. But what did you pick off of Persistence of Time? Just a side note, when I was fortunate enough to meet Frank Bello at one of the meet and greets in London, Ontario, actually, um, I had mentioned that my husband couldn't come to the show with me that night because he was playing a show. And Frankie, of course, said, oh, what instrument does he play? And I'm like, he's a bassist as well. And Frankie was like, yeah, he must be a really smart guy. I'm like, yeah, of course he is. Yeah, I, I, drink, I drink coffee, I play bass, and I do awesome things. That's what I do. So, again, the humor and the, oh, just the joy of life um, is so present mm. with these guys, both like on stage, their energy, they love what they do, and it shows um, when you meet them in person, the same level of just like enjoyment of life. And that is why also the Married with Children um, episode within my world where they were just having so much fun. Like you could just tell they were like just loving every minute of being on that show, trashing the set. <laughs> I, was about to say, I think they were still up on the mystery meet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot and cold at the same time. How could that be? Whoa, the colors. <laughs> Let's jam. Uh, I absolutely loved that episode. In fact, I credit that show, that episode of Married with Children for my introduction to Anthrax. I I wonder, and I'm just going to put this out there, because up until this point, um, you know, they, they'd gotten a lot of attention, you know, some decent charting and whatnot some gold records but it was after that appearance that they seemed to really start to separate themselves from hey hey we're a good metal band to hey we're one of the biggest metal bands in the world do you think married with children if they weren't on that episode do you think they would have been as big as they were at that time it's interesting that you mentioned they were nominated for a Grammy and lost to Metallica because I was going to come up with the joke, oh, did Death Row Tall... Um, Jethro Tull? Yeah, did Jethro Tull... Um, release something? No. Nope. Release an album. Nope, but no, they lost to Metallica. They lost to Metallica. Uh, we are now going to move on to one of the most fun metal albums of all time, 1991 Attack of the Killer Bees. Uh, this was released June 25th of that year on Megaforce Island Records, peaked at number 27 on Billboard and number 13 in the UK, certified gold in Canada and the US. Of course, the biggest single out there was Bring the Noise, their, their partnership with Public Enemy, Dave, or peaked at number 10 in New Zealand and number 14 in the UK. Once again, they were nominated for Best Metal Performance at the Grammys. They lost to Metallica's The Black Album. But funny enough, Bring the Noise was also nominated again for Best Metal Performance in 1995 at the Grammys, and they lost again to Soundgarden's Spoonman. Moving over to Twitter to take a look at who picked what off of Attack of the Killer Bees, Brian picked uh, bring the noise with Public Enemy. Sean cheated. 
and he picked two songs. He picked Bring the Noise and NFB, which if I'm trying to say that pronounce or pronounce it how they've written it, Dalib Nikufusin. <laughs> Very nice. Right? Or nice ballad. Right? Again, there with the censor button because censoring is always funnier. I, I do have to point out, by the way, Sean did pick a song that we are not going to cover at all. Uh, he threw in Poison My Eyes, which was on the last Action Hero soundtrack, but because by our rules, if the band is not the, the primary performer on the soundtrack we're not actually going to cover it but i absolutely agree that poison my eyes is an absolutely killer song i freaking love that song but attack of the killer bees what did you go with i have to publicly apologize to brian and to you jason i did not choose bring the noise wow and i know because um, I know. <laughs> to draw back to your Anthrax episode of Playlist Wars, I remember calling you out saying someone on the internet is wrong and that is my husband for not giving Bring the Noise its due respect. So here I am. Are you going to be wrong? I am apologizing. <laughs> no, I'm not wrong because there's no wrong answer. This is very true. There's only personal choice and but you're apologizing to me on record this is my ringtone now <laughs> this is this is uh this is uh out there now it's mm-hmm. uh it's live and uh recorded for <laughs> quality assurance for future replay I, i'm pretty sure i'm going to be hearing that many times over but <laughs> um i'm going to share my choice and then i'm going to talk about a different song okay so my choice was pipeline and I say that because of what it means to me, because my dad is a bassist, my husband's a bassist. Um, when I was growing up, my dad actually sat down with me in high school. I remember uh, I wanted to learn bass. You know, it seemed like a no brainer. But as Jay mentioned, I'm five foot all and my fingers are tiny wee. So I wasn't very good at bass, but I tried. And my dad... Um, tried to teach me how to play Pipeline. So again, that song had to be my selection. Um, even though I do want to point out, again, the humor of these guys and starting up a posse <laughs> <laughs> is um, is definitely a notable mention, but not my choice. My choice is Pipeline. And correct me if I'm wrong, I, I I might have a, you know, a faded memory of this, but if I remember correctly, the Columbia House version of this album, of this cassette, does not have starting up a posse on it because it, they would just have to censor the crap out of it because Columbia House did their best to not, or at least to put out clean versions of the album. I seem to remember versions of this album without that song on it. It's quite possible um, because I was going to definitely uh, put a shout out to both Married with Children for introducing me to Anthrax and to Columbia House for building up my cassette collection of Anthrax cassettes. You still owe them though for that 14 cassettes for a penny, don't you? Uh, yeah. yeah. I hope they never find me. Yep. Columbia House of Shame. <laughs> Can you imagine the interest that I would owe them on 20 plus years? 
Yeah. Hmm. That's that that's a that's a failed business model. Right I, I must there. be up to at least fifty cents by now. Oh, probably, yeah. Um, you know what's funny? I almost went with um milk. Oh, ah. to Billy. Because again, this is another one of those songs where I try to teach myself this song on bass. Um, and keep it in mind that when I was teaching myself the song on bass, I was in high school playing on an upright bass. So while everyone's practicing their classical music for performances, I'm sitting there freaking no more tears and milk owed to Billy. But I had to correct my, uh, my, my, my negligence apparently on the Playlist Wars episode. I did go with Bring the Noise in this one because it, <laughs> it is. It's such a banger, right? It really is. I, I, I thought going into this album that I wasn't going to find myself picking Bring the Noise. And there were a few songs that, you know, again, Milk Ode to Billy was one of them. Uh, their cover of Parasite was also on my um, on my short list. But yeah, every time I kept on coming back to Bring the Noise. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even pick I'm the Man the first time and I didn't pick them this time either. But yeah, for bring the noise considering how many times this song has been used and it was used in tony hawk pro skater i think it was volume two uh if i remember correctly it was used in uh wwe one of their video games or something like that like like th- this song transcended so much for them um it was huge it really was a song of that year and that that moment in music history yeah, boy. <laughs> Which makes it really fascinating because their next album, they went through one of the biggest changes in Anthrax history. We, of course, are talking about the album The Sound of White Noise. That big change, of course, being that Joy Belladonna no longer on the mic. This is the first album with John Bush on vocals. Uh, this album was released May 25, 1993 on Electra Records. So again, they've actually changed record labels at this point, too. This album was the highest charting album ever for them, even still to this day. Peaked at number seven on Billboard, number 13 in Canada, and number 14 in the UK. It is certified gold in Canada and the US. Had a number of singles as well, too, including the songs Only, uh, which peaked at number 26 on the Billboard mainstream rock charts and 36 in the UK. Room for One More. Black Lodge, which uh, peaked at number 38 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts and number 53 in the UK, and High Pro Glow. This song, when you consider like when a band changes singers, you know, you sit there and you have a lot of people going, it's not the original singer. First of all, we love Belladonna era and Bush era equally. And if you're just a true fan of the band, both were perfect for the band at the time both have phenomenal songs in their discography and set out of white noise really really catapulted them at a time when you know metal from the 80s wasn't exactly getting a lot of airplay because this is 1993 this is when grunge is really coming in and i think john bush was probably the best vocalist for them at the time despite the fact that joy belladonna sounds really good singing only and there's a bunch of songs from the Bush era that he would kill on, just like John Bush killed songs of the Joey Belladonna era. Like, so much good. But Sound of White Noise, for you, what song did you pick? I don't intend to offend. I just offend with my intent. (laughs) I didn't choose a single one of the singles off of the album, 
But for me, it's all about burst. Fascinating. I love mm-hmm. that pick, though. Mm-hmm. That is a great pick. <laughs> it was a tough one. It when when I first looked at the song, the track listing, I went with High Pro Glow. Mm-hmm. I wrote it down, and then I was like, "Wait, no." So I listened through all of the tracks, and when I came across Burst, I I just I don't know what it is. You know, when there's a song that becomes like the soundtrack to your youth Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason I just have always been drawn back to the song so went with it I almost didn't go with one of the singles Potter's Field was definitely on my my short list but every time I go to that album right if if I'm if if you're saying let's listen to Sound of White Noise the first song I am putting on is Room for One More Mm. absolutely like only is a good song and I, and I do love that they're starting to bring that back into the set list but room for one more right it's just such a monster riff right and the intro as well when you've got like charlie on the drums like just really building it up and i think m- even more so than only this is where john bush really showed what he was going to bring to to anthrax like knocked this one right out of the park and, I, and i'm Surprised this one wasn't bigger than the other singles on it. Uh, going over to Twitter, Sean Faust picked only. Brian from my weekly mixtape also picked only. As did Johnny Rothen. That like we had a trifecta basically of tw- on Twitter. All three guys chose only. We didn't pick them. Sorry guys. Sorry, <laughs> but the, but of course these are our only one songs. Now we're gonna move to 1995 and for me. I'm going to say this right now for me of any anthrax album. I think this is the one that I played the most. Like I'm surprised I didn't wear out the cassette in my Walkman. That's how much stomp 442 got played. The album was released October 24th, 1995. A bit of a change to the lineup though. Dan Spitz now out of the band and Paul Crook is on lead guitar with a little bit of additional guitar work from one Dimebag Daryl. Uh, this album peaked at number 47 on the Billboard charts and number 77 in the UK. Uh, there were a couple of singles released on this one here. Fueled and Nothing. And Nothing actually peaked at number 51 in Australia and number 89 in the UK. Now, Twitter has also chimed in on this one. Uh, Brian, over at My Weekly Mixtape, chimed in with random acts of senseless violence, and Johnny Rothen chimed in with Fueled. Now, I'm going to hand this one over to you. What song off of Stomp 442 did you select? This one is, without a doubt, going to the song Bear. Really? Yeah. I I love this song, I've, I'm always drawn to it every time I play the CD. And yes, I do still play the CD in my car in <laughs> you, spite of having... You also have a CD player in your car still. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> also have VHS machines at the house, but uh, right? I digress. No, I, you know what? I, I love... The, I love this song. I love the buildup. I love that it starts so... Um, mellow and melodic and then just has that 
in your face, like pent up aggression. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. And and I, I need to point out that I got the chance to appear on the Playlist Wars podcast with our good friends, Brian and Gomez, uh, and talking about Anthrax. And we were talking about this album. And on that show, I mentioned that this album, Stomp 442, is one song away from being a front to back, all killer, no filler album. Bear is the one song that I would remove off of that album. Oh, harsh. I, I, I know it's harsh. I know it's harsh. But hear me out. Let me explain why. And I say this knowing full well that I listen to Dream Theater on a regular basis. So normally time changes and mood changes in music mid-song don't normally throw me off that much. But here it did. It kind of felt a little... Not necessarily disjointed, but I'm going to say disjointed because I have a horrible grasp of the English language and it's failing me at this point to come up with a better word for it. I love the first part of the song. I love the up-tempo part of the song. I, I, it feels like two separate songs that are kind of Franken-songed Franken together. Again, I, I look at it like a split personality thing, you know, like the good and the evil in all of us. See, I, I would take a look at a song like Creep from Radiohead as being that kind of Jekyll and Hyde kind of song where it's got the quiet and the loud. And I think it's not, maybe not necessarily the transition to the up part. It's the attempt to come back down at the end of that song because it, it feels like, like not, not cut and paste, but it like does. an emotional roller coaster. Maybe. And maybe I need to revisit this song and give it another listen and put myself in that headspace, you know, and stop looking at it like a musician and start looking at it or listening to it, you know, trying to understand the emotion of the song. Because it can. You can actually um, listen to songs differently. And a musician is going to listen to that song and hear certain things like chord changes, um, phrasing, uh, time, te- you know, time signature changes, tempo changes, and the like. And they're not going to be able to disassociate themselves from the the writing of the song itself, at least as far as the emotion goes. While people who listen to the song emotionally couldn't give two, uh, two tosses about the musicality behind the, the the composition of the song. So it's fascinating because, you know, I'm a musician, you're not, and we do listen to these songs very, very differently. So, I mean, if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm not picking Bear as my song off of Stomp 442, but I am going to go, and I have to agree with Brian on this one, Random Acts of Senseless Violence, the first song off the album. Look, if you're ever looking to build a uh, like a pump up tape, you you want you want to get the football team all psyched before the game. Put this song on, and not only will they win the game, but they will probably slaughter about half of the other team along the way. It's that good of a song. It's such a it's such a banger, such a good driving, like foot down on the pedal needle pin to the end and the cops can't even keep up that's the kind of song this is and i think there's a lot of that on this album like i mentioned that i've played this album probably more than any other anthrax album in the history of anthrax albums for me this might be my favorite anthrax album and and i know considering the vastness of their discography that's probably a bold statement (laughs) well then i am happy that we have both sides of it represented because I definitely agree with you. Um, 
Random Acts is such a great song. It is. It's so, it's just so energetic. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. The perfect uh, hype mix. Right. I will say Stomp 442 does not get the love it deserves as a full album. That's, that's just me being a fan of the songs of, you know, on that album, minus Bear. And sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why I said, of course, I recognize that we listen to things differently, but this is where we're not going to get along. (laughs) We are not going to agree. Enter the litmus test that is our podcast. (laughs) Let's agree to disagree. (laughs) Okay, well then let's agree to move on. Volume 8, The Threat Is Real, released July 21st, 1998 on Ignition Records, so a brand new record label for them, peaked at number 118 on Billboard and 73 in the UK. Uh, Once again, includes some guitar work from Dimebag Daryl, of course, um, Paul Crook is still doing a lot of guitar work there, and some backing vocals from one Phil Anselmo on the song Killing Box. Uh, There were a couple of singles off this one, Inside Out, which peaked at number 95 in the UK, Crush... Piss and Vinegar, and Born Again Idiot. If we're going over to Twitter, Brian has chimed in with his choice of Inside Out, and Johnny Rothen has chimed in with his pick of Crush. So, Volume 8, The Threat Is Real. This album, I need to... Uh, let, me, let me put this out there. Before I, before I ask you for your pick, this album has a lot of meaning for us. We mentioned at the top of the show that this... This band is the band that brought us together. So let me let me tell the story here. Let me let me weave a little yarn here. If I if I might moot a story here with everyone. Moot away. Moot away. Um, so Carrie and I got together while in broadcasting college. And I was trying to learn how to use what was actually one of the original versions of Avid. So in order to teach myself this, I was, I would just dump in some music and some, and some visuals and play with it and try to teach myself how to edit on a computer that way. And the song I chose came off of this album, Cup of Joe. It's, Less than a minute long. It's about a guy that just wants a cup of coffee, so I can relate to that. And as I got this cranked and I'm putting, you know, teaching myself how to edit, Carrie sticks her head in the door and she looks at me and says, Is that anthrax? Now, I let's put it this way Cup of Joe isn't exactly the most well known anthrax song of their discography. You really got to know your anthrax to know this song. I'm sorry. I'm so, I have to stop him right there. He didn't have the right inflection. It was, <laughs> is that anthrax? Yeah, it was, it was, it was it pretty, yeah. It wasn't a question. It was a statement. Right. To which I turn around and in the smoothest, suavest voice I could say is like, you like anthrax? Marry me. True and story. Lo and behold. <laughs> We are married and still married to this day. So, A, thank you, Anthrax, for bringing us together. But, B, I say that knowing that I didn't pick up a Joe. Oh, thank God. As my volume <laughs> is real song. I felt so bad for not choosing this song as well. Oh. I went with Born Again Idiot. This uh. is a song that I would absolutely... I, I can hear myself and envision myself 
screaming this song at the top of my lungs while driving on the 401 because everyone else can't drive on that highway. This is such a, a good Good old-fashioned angry song. Good rager. Right? And it's such a good rager. Um, and to me, like, th- but this album, aside from having the song that brought us together, right, this album had a, a, a much more stripped-down, raw, kind of grindy kind of feel to it. And it was hard to really pick one song over the other in this, but Born Again Idiot really kind of stands out for me. But what is your pick off of Volume 8, The Thread Is Real? I went for P and V. Oh, piss and vinegar. Yeah. Um, lyrically, it was my decision was literally based on lyric alone, and because it has again, it's so ragey, and um, where uh, John Bush says um, the line, "I burn the bridge, I burn the whole town." So you're driving on the four hundred one to this <laughs> one as well. <laughs> you know what? Again, it it is just such an incredible. Rager. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I feel this album gets overlooked a lot because, of course, it's, you know, we talked about Anthrax having fun on stage and a lot of their songs have a, you know, like they're, they're just, you can smile as you're listening to them because you can hear them, you know, having a good laugh while they're writing the lyrics and writing the riffs and whatnot. This song's a lot more raw than I think people give them a credit for. Um, so if you're in a ragey kind of highway driving mood during rush hour, this might be the perfect album for you. But then we had to wait five years for another album. But what we got, holy it was good because they came back with we've come for you all uh released may 6 2003 on sanctuary records this is the first album with one rob caggiano on lead guitar the album peaked at number 122 on billboard and 102 in the uk uh, had singles taking the music back safe home and what doesn't die this album was nominated at the California Music Awards for Outstanding Hard Rock Album, Somehow Lost to Blink-182. What? <laughs> in 2004, Anthrax won the Spirit of Rock Award at the Kerrang! Awards, and in 2005, they won the Best Metal Band Award at the Metal Hammer Golden Gods Award. So that's kind of in that tour cycle kind of vein. Looking at Twitter... Brian chimed in with Refuse to be Denied, and Johnny Rothen chose Safe Home. So I look to you. We've come for you all. What have you got? Ah, you know what? Um, I'm literally, I am a 50-50 split with Twitter, and I still can't choose. Like right now, sitting here, I have both songs, Refuse to be Denied and Safe Home written down and but there can only be one. Both for very different reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I mean. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. I think. I'm going to say my pick. Okay. And by the time I'm done, you will have to have chosen because you only get one pick. Mm-hmm. There can only be one. Mm-hmm. Highlander rules on this one here. Um, More but, like House of the Dragon. <laughs> But no, it's it's kind of funny because when you think about it, and one of the things, anyone who's asked me about the show, I kind of explain it as it's it's NHL All-Star Game rules in that every team has to have one player at the game. So in this case, every studio album has to have one song on the list. You can't skip any of them and you can't double down on any of them. But I went with Nobody Knows Anything. 
I talked about how with Medusa, it's kind of like a showcase for, for Joey Belladonna. Nobody knows anything to me is an absolute, like put it up on the wall with a big bright red arrow pointed to it with a sign that says, this is why Charlie Benanti is one of the greatest drummers in metal today. And always has been the drum work that he does on this song on this song and how it builds up through the whole song. Like, you know, it starts off with a fun little skip beat kind of thing. By the time you get to the end and these little drum solos that would be in it, you're like, I don't know how many limbs did they have an octopus come in, teach it how to hold drumsticks and have it hit every drum simultaneously at the same time. Cause that's kind of what it sounds like. I'm not quite sure if Charlie Benanti is human in his drumming, <laughs> but I'm pretty darn skippy. He's got some octopus arms in there somewhere. There is a lot going on on the drums in that song. It's a, and it's a monster beat, like an absolute monster beat. And again, this is another song that really showcases John Bush and the good that he brought to Anthrax. So now that I've put out my Nobody Knows Anything, the Jon Snow of Anthrax songs, um, you have to choose now. So which song have you chosen from We've Come For You All? I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Because, Jay, you have always been my safe home. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and uh, I was actually, um, to supplement my choice, because I really couldn't choose, I was really that stuck for, I was literally right down the line of 50-50. Um, I, I read... Um, I read an article uh, where Scott Ian was interviewed about this album and the story and the meaning behind each one of the songs. And just hearing, again, you know, his uh, he was saying that for the first time in his life, he was reflecting on the last three years of his, his marriage to Pearl, uh, Meat Love's daughter, and just that everything in his life was so perfect. So he was drawing from that, present moment Mm -hmm. and you know what um it's such a lovely song so yeah i have to go with it and you know what's funny Uh, two things about safe home a it's one of the few anthrax songs that i know of that really translates well to an acoustic guitar from like the full band version like if you are lucky enough to hear the acoustic version of safe home it is it is haunting it is a really really good song um but i love the fact that you know it's kind of a you know it kind of stems from his relationship with pearl because if you've ever had the chance to see scott ian on one of his q a tours for his uh for his books and whatnot it's it's a fascinating experience and he's really very open on those q a tours we had the chance to to go and see and ask a couple questions and whatnot at the uh, the Alma Combo here in Toronto. And it was really just a fascinating listen to him tell his story, ask questions, like and just be like really like he wanted questions. He wanted to to interact with us. And it was it, it was phenomenal to hear. So I love that pick. I love that album. I also want to point out that you had mentioned earlier in this podcast that Anthrax not is not really known a band known for their ballads. Yeah. Lo- and love, love songs and anthrax not necessarily go hand in hand here. But I think that's what makes Safe Home so special. Mm-hmm. It is very much the anthrax, anthrax version of a love song. I completely agree with that. Now, we mentioned at the top of the show that we were going to ignore best of compilations but i think we have to make an exception for 2004's the greater of two evils this album was released november 23rd 2004 on sanctuary records 
But the thing is, this is John Bush in the studio doing new versions of songs done from the Belladonna and Turban era. So while, yes, it is still a best of, these recordings are come across very differently because of John Bush's vocals. Um, I will say, I would love one day, if Anthrax ever needed to, to do the reverse and have Joey Belladonna do his own versions of John Bush songs because there's nothing wrong in saying that Anthrax had good songs during the John Bush era. And I understand why Joey might not want to do those live. I would love to hear maybe that kind of best, not not best of, but at least, you know, the Bush ears and Belladonna's voice. But the greater of two evils, I had to go with a song that John Bush covered from the Neil Turbin era. Because to me, the one song that I would love to have on on any best of is their cover of Death Rider. In listening to Fistful of Metal again, this was one of those songs where it's like, this is a good song, but it just, the 1984 version just didn't connect with me. John Bush growls through this whole thing and it's so powerful and so like punchy in your face that like literally John Bush brought this song to life again you know obviously a little bit of you know Rob Caggiano on the guitar is you know goes a long long way but Death Rider stands out to me as the one song that improved even more so than the originals but for Greater of Two Evils what song did you go with? Can I just say on that note of you know, comparing the remakes or the greater of two evils Mm -hmm. with the original version. And I just have to point out how be all end all, although was my pick. Mm -hmm. um, Off of State of Euphoria. Off of State of Euphoria. It it was not, (sighs) it needs the cello. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, guys. Um, Having the guitar riff, do the cello part, it just, it wasn't the same. And, you know, Sean Bush, kudos, because um, I thought vocally it was really good, but that's not my pick. I went with I Am The Law. Ooh. And I think that John just, oh my God, he, he gave this song the power and he Deepened the vocals, obviously, because he has a very different range from Joey. Mm-hmm. Joey's great. I loved I Am The Law. But it was just, it was almost kind of like listening to it. That's how yeah. it was supposed to be. It's not better. It's just different. It's more growly it's, than it is. Because Joey does have not necessarily an angelic voice, but it's definitely a much cleaner voice than John. And I think I am the law. I think you're right that it needs the growl. But I, again, the reason I chose Death Rider for me, they took a song from 1984, which was literally 20 years prior, and they basically pumped it full of adrenaline and kicked it right in the dick and sent it back out into the world. And they also did Anthrax, yeah. which was very cool to hear um, John Bush's take on that. But um, I mean, you, you got to just picture, though, Getting back to I Am The Law, like this could have been the soundtrack to the Stallone movie yeah, because it was just so perfect. The Stallone or the Carl Urban? No, the, well, I mean, either, either one, but I Am The Law, you know, like (laughs) 
paired with John Bush's version of I am the law would be absolutely perfect. I, I'm going to put this out there. If if you're pairing the song, because of course I am the law is based on Judge Dredd. I think the Joy Belladonna one goes with the Sylvester Stallone movie, but I think the John Bush version goes with the Carl Urban movie. I disagree. I am the law. <laughs> really which, bad Stallone impression. Which, which, for the record, why have we not had a new Judge Dredd film? Make it happen. Make it freaking happen. But now we go to the dark days. The days where we had to wait eight years for new anthrax. All the way to 2011 with worship music. And yet another lineup change. John Bush out. Joey Belladonna back in. We're not going to mention Dan Nelson. This album was released September 13th, 2011, back on Megaforce. Peaked at number 12 on Billboard's charts, number 49 in the UK. Singles released from this album include Fight Him Till You Can't, The Devil You Know, which actually hit number 28 on the US Active Rock Charts, and number 33 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts. In the end, And I'm Alive, which hit number 26 on the Active Rock Charts and number 29 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts. I'm Alive, the song, was nominated for a Grammy in 2013 for Best Hard Rock Metal Performance. They lost to Hailstorm for Love Bites So Do I. In 2012, they won the Metal Guru Award at the Classic Rock and Roll of Honor Awards, and 2012 won the, and I'm quoting this here, Metal as F- Award at the Metal Hammer Golden Gods Awards. So 2011-2012 era, that's, that, that's, that's good anthrax right there. Worship music included some phenomenal songs. And I'm just taking a look at Twitter here. Uh, Johnny Rothen chimed in. He actually went with Judas Priest off that album. Uh, Brian went with The Devil You Know off of that one. So I'm taking a look at you. What are you taking off of worship music for your only one song? I went with the feels. Um, I went with In the End because whenever they do that song live it's just instant tears Mm -hmm. because the song is in full respect to Dimebag yeah and it's 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 interesting because they have actually I'm sorry I should Ronnie James Dio Dimebag and of course now they've got uh Vinnie Paul up on the uh Mm -hmm. on on the 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 blankets that they drape over the uh over the amps as well like it has really become kind of their their song to remember those who brought us awesome music and are no longer with us and it is a very powerful song it's not the one i went with though what did you go with i went with the song that makes you question whether the aliens are actually attacking or the zombies are actually attacking i'm going with fight them till you can't see that's just a rage song for me it is a good rage song but i mean here's the thing going back to the fact that you know they like to I've lost track of how many zombie songs they've written, you know, and you you go back to We've Come For You All and What Doesn't Die. Um, Like this song is just them having fun lyrically. It feels like the anthrax of Belladonna's era, like musically, like coming from We've Come For You All in volume eight and some 442 with their, you know, more chuggy, you know, harder riffs. Fight Him Till You Can't felt like a bell like a belladonna era song right out right out of the gate it's a lot of why i loved anthrax during the belladonna years this song was almost an announcement saying hey belladonna's back and we're going to sound like belladonna's back 
two more to go. Uh, but as you're still listening to this, hey, thank you for still listening to this. By the way, if you do have songs that you would have picked yourself, hit us up on Twitter at only one cast and let us know. We want to hear who, what songs you picked off of some of these albums. But now we're going to go to 2013's Anthems. This was an EP of just cover songs that they did. Released March 19, 2013 on Megaforth. Peaked at number 52 on the Billboard charts. They were nominated for another Grammy off this one. Best Metal Performance that year with their cover of ACDC's TNT. They lost to Black Sabbath for God is Dead. So in listening to this collection of covers from bands that they adore and admire what song stood out for you on anthems i have to say i'm so incredibly happy that they did crawl because originally it was a tough choice to not choose it for worship music you're cheating kind of you're you're taking the song that was kind of re-released off this one and go and from that came from worship music Hey, you didn't uh, specify that in the rules and regulations. I, I, I did not. It would it would be like if I picked the live version of Panic off of Armed and Dangerous. It still counts. It still qualifies. Um, I did not go with their cover of TNT, despite the fact that you know I have played TNT live in the past, and this is kind of like the the template for you know the the tempo kind of like to play the song at. But no, I went with their cover of Boston's Smokin'. There is something so much fun. And I love the fact that they brought in the organ on this one. Like anthrax across the board and throughout all the years are phenomenal musicians. And I love the fact that, you know, you said be all end all is not be all end all without the cello. There are certain songs that aren't those songs without certain instruments. And they needed that organ for smoking and Holy crap, if it's not a drive fast song, like I can see it now. If you ever get pulled over for for speeding and this song is on the radio, just point to the the song and I'm sure the cop will sit there and go, I understand on your way. <laughs> it's I wonder such, if that would work. I, it might. <gasps> it would be better than me flashing my boobs. <laughs> that, that never works. I mean, once they stop throwing up, they just hand me the ticket. Um, but yeah, like again, no one does covers like Anthrax does. Because they do them and they own them. And in some a lot of cases, the songs are better than the original. This brings us to the last album on the list. And that is For All Kings, released February 26, 2016 on Megaforce Records. Yet another lineup change, because this is the first studio album with John Denae on lead guitar. Peaked at number nine on the Billboard album charts at number 21 in the UK. Uh, singles released from this were Evil Twin, Breathing Lightning, which uh, peaked at number 33 on the Billboard mainstream rock charts, and Monster at the End. The band won the Best Heavy Melodic Metal Album of the Year that year at the 2016 Metal Storm Awards. They also won the Revolver Innovator Award at the Revolver Music Awards. They won the Inspiration Award at the Metal Hammer Golden Gods Awards that year and at the Loudwire Awards in 2017. So that still falls in this album cycle. They were nominated for Best Live Band. They lost to Iron Maiden. Charlie Benanti was nominated as Best Drummer. He lost to Mario Duplantier of uh, Gojira. And Frank Bello was nominated for Best Bassist. He lost to Steve Harris, of course, of Iron Maiden. But we can't really lose by picking any of the songs off of this album. So off of For All Kings, 
I'm 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 going to go first because this was another tough one for me. Not in the way that um, volume eight everything kind of felt the same. There was a lot of difference, and I think there's something about John Donay in the mix that changes the songwriting a touch. So. For for me, this album took a, a a listen or two to get to, but once you get through those two listens, it's like okay, no, I, it's it's all good. But Monster at the end is one of those songs that, on first listen, right away, I'm like, okay, I'm good, I'm sold, I'm solid. And again, it's just one of those things where they groove really well in this one, right? It's just such a a, a great groovy song, Joy Belladonna, and and I have to point this out. Frank Bello, not just an incredible bassist, but I think he's also underrated in the fact that he harmonizes so well with Joey and songs like Monster at the End and Fight Him Till You Can really show like Joey and Frank, I think even more so than Frank and John, I think Joey and Frank harmonize so well. There's just something about the way, you know, they they, they complement each other's voices. And I think Monster at the End really does showcase that. For all kings, only one song. What are you picking? Well, I'm not going to lie that you said that the CD took two listens for you to catch on. For me, yes. For me, it wasn't until I saw it live that I was able to really connect with any of the songs on the album. Which time? Because I think we've seen them at least three or four times, you know, touring on this album. No, it was the first time I saw them in London on this. Um, However, I have to go with Blood Eagle Wings. Really? Yeah. Why is that so surprising? (sighs) Okay, so you tell me why you picked Blood Eagle Wings and I'll tell you why I'm surprised. Uh, you know what? I think of all of the songs, to me, it's the one that stands out the most. It was the one that I really just like jaw on the floor um, at the London Music Hall, which nobody wants to touch the floor at the London Music Hall. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so <laughs> no, no disrespect. I love the London Music Hall. It's I, great. I'm sure they've cleaned it this month. <laughs> um it, yeah it 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 really was the most standout i will admit you know being a video editor sometimes the music video really does sell me on a song and, and i'm sure as we do more episodes of this show um there will be some bands where i have to sit there and say this song stood out to me because the video really kind of stood out for me and it really kind of sold the song a bit more the video for this song just had me shaking my head and wondering if you know what ep- what season of Game of Thrones it was from. <laughs> you know what? I actually I was intrigued by the video. Mm. Um, I think it was definitely they took a lot of risks yeah. and um, again for a band that just has so much fun. And I really tend to wonder if it's the horror movie zombie genre inspired. Um, this did interests feel, of the band. It did feel a little, um, a little Game of Thrones esque, which is kind of funny because they did do that song for the, for that Game of Thrones music inspired by compilation, where and I'm, I'm probably going to mess up the name of the song, but Soror Emurator, I think it is, or something like that, is is on that album. That's a killer song, 
and works so well in that inspired by Game of Thrones collection. I think that's probably the best song on that collection. I will say, though, if I'm looking at Twitter, Johnny Rothen agrees with me. He picked Monster at the end. Brian did not agree with either of us. He went with Breathing Lightning. And again, there is another song, Breathing Lightning, that translates very well acoustically. And to me, that's really been um, you know, a, 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 an indicator that a song is a, is a phenomenal song is if you can play it loud and heavy or quiet and acoustic and it still kills either way or is better one way or the other. Like if, it, if you can play it both ways, it's a phenomenal song. Monster at the End, again, to me, is probably the best song for me. But again, this is one of those musical choices. So I have a question for you okay, on that then. album. Your thoughts, your take on Carry On wayward son on the on the extended like this was one of those songs where i i loved it when it came out but i think what the thing with it for me in their cover of kansas's carry on my wayward son is it's really really good but it sounds exactly like kansas when anthrax like for 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 their covers of like God Save the Queen and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath uh, and even if you take a look at songs like Got the Time and uh, Antisocial you know these are songs that became there through their cover of them right they really are like changing they're making them better from the original I think Carry On My Wayward Son is a phenomenal cover of the song but very true to what Kansas did. But so nice to hear Joey's voice on it. Oh, Joey Belladonna. I, I, I know he's he's been talking about doing some recording because he's got a Journey tribute. And, you know, let's be honest, Joey Belladonna slays. Like, there, there are videos out there where he jumps on stage with Steel Panther and does Don't Stop Believing. Um, Joey Belladonna is a freaking phenomenal vocal talent that i only wish i could have a voice like that um so if and when he ever does that journey tribute album uh i'm buying it Ooh, and on that note of joey can i just point out that if the listeners ever get a chance to come across any of and i believe he has if i'm not There's mistaken a few of them. four um single solo cds solo cds they are so good each and every single one of them and i own what all four all all of them all individually lovingly autographed because that's the kind of guy that joey is he was just literally selling his own merch at At a um, show in toronto and a very small club the very the funny thing is you know they got to the show and for some reason their drummer couldn't make it across the border so joey actually sat in and played drums for the whole show while singing joey belladonna is a freaking talented individual way too talented but he's also really like we've been very fortunate enough to meet some some you know some of our rock heroes you know being able to meet anthrax a couple of times at meet and greets um meeting kevin martin from candlebox who was who was just a gem joey belladonna is honestly one of the nicest people we've ever met from the rock world he is super super humble and consistent Mm -hmm. like every time we've had the pleasure of meeting and speaking with him it's just on the level like 
he is just genuinely so incredibly kind and caring of his fans. Like he he's he's the best. And uh, he wasn't even upset with me that I I think I worked a double shift and I started to fall asleep before he hit the stage and he was kind enough to wake me up before the show started. But, so, but, but he got a kick out of it. He, he was, <laughs> <laughs> again, he was just, he's such a lovely man and um, I'm absolutely honored to have had the privilege to have ever met him okay. several times. <laughs> so now comes the moment because we've we've done our one song per album so now comes the big task here of all of these songs there can only be one if you had to listen to only one anthrax song from the songs that you have picked here okay which one would it be so i'll, I'll go first here and let me just go through my list here in chronological order and then i will tell you my one above all pick so starting in 1984 the song anthrax off of fistful of metal off of armed and dangerous i chose god save the queen off of spreading the disease i went with medusa off of 1987's among the living i went with nfl also in 1987 off the i'm the man ep i went with their cover of sabbath bloody sabbath in 1988's State of Euphoria, I went with Be All End All. 1990's Persistence of Time, my pick was In My World. Attack of the Killer Bees, released in 1991, I went with Bring the Noise. Off of Sound of White Noise, the first of the John Bush era, I went with Room for One More. Stump 442, my pick was Random Acts of Senseless Violence. Volume 8, The Threat is Real, the song was Born Again Idiot. 2003's We'd Come For You All, my song was Nobody Knows Anything. 2004's The Greater of Two Evils, I, w- I went with Death Rider. Off of Worship Music, I picked Fight Him Till You Can't. Off of Anthems, I went with Smokin'. And off of 2016's For All Kings, I went with Monster at the End. And as I say 2016, I realize we're now, what, seven years due for some new anthrax. So hurry oh, up, I believe guys. it's coming. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. But if I had to pick... One song from all of those, and that's tough. That is tough. But I think out of all of that, I'm going to go with Be All End All of 1988's State of Euphoria. Um, again, you're right. The cello absolutely kills it. The production, the whole song, all the way through. So that is my one above all pick. But now, go through your list. And then if there can only be one, what song is it? From Fistful of Metal, I chose Across the River. Armed and Dangerous was the title track song that I selected. Um, AIR from Spreading the Disease. Among the Living was the tough one for me uh, as the entire album is a banger, but I went with Cotton Amash. I went with I'm the Man, <laughs> one of the three versions. I went with the uncensored, or sorry, the censored one. Um, because I like the uh, the use of the B sound. I went with Be All End All from State of Euphoria. Um, Pipeline was my choice on Attack of the Killer Bees, although that was a very challenging um, choice from Bring the Noise and Starting Up a Posse being honorable mentions. Um, In My World from Persistence of Time. I went with Burst from Sound of White Noise and Bear from Stomp 442. I went with Piss and Vinegar from Volume 8. From We've Come For You All, I went with Safe Home. 
um, after a very difficult 50-50 split uh, shared with Refuse to be Denied, which is another banger. It's just the perfect Rager song. Um, From The Greater of Two Evils, I went with I Am the Law, um, hearing John Bush's vocals on that track. Uh, Worship Music, In the End, was my choice. From Anthems, I went with Crawl. And Blood Eagle Wings from For All Kings. Okay, so out of my list, and because I'm pretty sure that I can't pick the song that started it all, Cup of Joe, I have to go with Safe Home. I mean, Cup of Joe, yes, is our song, and I'm I'm kind of glad neither of us picked it off of Volume 8, The Threat Is Real, because I don't feel like a jerk, and you don't feel like a jerk, and that's good. And yes, like, if we're just saying, like, one song above all, yes, absolutely Cup of Joe, because it is our song, but the show rules stipulate that it has to be off of the list that you made, so... You know, rules meant to be followed. But why safe home of all those songs? I think because of, because as we mentioned, Anthrax is not known for, known as a ballad band, but it's just such a lovely song. And it's so incredibly different from, I mean, quite literally, how many greatest hits have, AIR, Caught in a Mush, Keep It in the Family, Belly of the Beast, like the same bangers of songs are, you know, quite often overused. I mean, Be All End All is a fantastic song, but, you know... It, it, gets, it does get played it, all the time. It's It's just that Safe Home is so... Lovely, first of all, and it's so incredibly different. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, too, like in listening to that song, if they were ever to pull that out live now with Joey, this is one of those songs where Joey would absolutely slay doing that song. And furthermore, I picked Safe Home because I didn't throw Black Lodge into the mix in the first mm-hmm. part of the show. So um, if I'm looking for a ballad, I mean, aside from nice f- ballad, I'm going to go with safe home. <laughs> <laughs> I will say too, if, if we ever went to an anthrax show and, and these songs were their set list, that would be a killer night, an absolutely killer night. But Carrie, thank you for joining me on the very first episode of there can only be one and playing along despite the hard choices you had to make in only picking one song per album. Uh, and to you, our listeners, thank you for listening to the premiere episode of there can only be one uh if you want to chime in with us you can find us on twitter at only one cast and if you want to find all of our back episodes you can find them on wherever well not back episodes of this one because this is the first one but in future if you're listening to other episodes you could find them all wherever you get your podcast and on our website at, at not that badcast. Com. Uh, until next time, I'm Jay. She's Carrie. You guys are awesome. This is There Can Only Be One. Until next time, everyone, take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.